Hello, and welcome back to the Matron Saint of Nightmares podcast. Uh, I am the Acolyte. And I am the Matron. Uh, this week, I think this is the third episode of Spooky Season, Woo! October. Um, and as we've mentioned before, uh, we started out trying to do kind of Halloween classic movies, but there's not a lot of Halloween-themed classic horror movies. There are for sure. Yeah, that are good also. Yeah. Because there's like, there's like a lot of campy, trashy ones that are like low-budget, kind of just like scares movies. Yeah. But even those, like there's not... And there's nothing wrong with those. Of course. But I think the direction we wanted to take was, can we scare the shit out of the Acolyte? <laughs> That's I mean, our goal. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Halloween. Yeah. Uh, it's our, you know, first year or whatever doing this podcast and hopefully we can do it for a few more um at least and um i just figured because again i'm i'm not a big horror movie fan i have enjoyed most of the ones we watched all of them um but i figure we may as well stick to the, the the spirit of halloween love it which is try to get the shit scared out of us and we know nothing scares you um so the goal is to try to scare me um, so this week <laughs> we watched The Exorcist. Yeah, um, classic. Uh, just an American classic. American classic, and I think it was a good idea because you know I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast, but we both uh, come from uh, more fundamentalist mm-hmm. uh, Christian backgrounds, and so sure. it hits home in a in a in, in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's always the one that I've heard about um, that was sort of in the realm of stay away if you don't want demons to come possess you. Oh yeah, I totally got the same thing in church growing up, that it was, I got that about all horror movies though. I had a, um, I grew up in, in a fundamentalist church that I would, that classified itself as, um, Mm non-denominational and that basically meant that they believed that the Bible was the fundamental literal word of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I was growing up, we were taught that um, watching scary movies and getting that like scared feeling mm-hmm. actually was like how demons got in. It's how the demons tickle you. And... <laughs> it's how the demons sneak in and yeah. possess you, right? Yeah. And also listening to rap music. So <laughs> yeah. those are the two things I was talking. No, my 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 church was more focused on the rock and roll. Sure, it was still sure. a bit stuck in the seventies and eighties. Sure, it was the eighties, right? Uh, is that like the old typical thing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the yeah the eighties like the demonic craze. Yeah, yes. yeah, satanic, satanic cults. Yeah, yeah. That's... The, me- the metal stuff, which is shit that I'm all into, and yeah. I think it. I think it's that's part of one of the reasons it. It still feels rebellious, even though you know I'm not fully religious anymore. But you know I. But it still feels rebellious to be like joke about six 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 and stuff. Yeah, like that, yeah, you know? total total rebellion. Yeah. And I think for us too, like a lot of, cause I grew up in an indigenous community and a lot of like the, like hip hop really hits home for people who are like, mm. you know, um, either struggling from like poverty or racism or a lot of things, yeah. right? Violence. Yeah. And so I think it was really common for us to like all, like a lot of hip hop to be like listened to. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, ultimately there's probably a lot of racism too in like the, <laughs> in the restriction of like hip hop, but it was always talking about like, you have to actively avoid getting possessed. Right. Like you have to be praying, you have to be reading your Bible. Yeah. And I, dear listeners have obsessive compulsive disorder and have since I was a kid. And so the way that I translated that into was into staying up way too late 
and reading the same Bible verse over and over again, because if I messed up how I was saying it out loud, mm -hmm. then I would have to repeat it. Uh -huh. So all of this demon possession stuff and like the hyper-religious stuff just really played into yeah. my obsessive compulsive disorder mm -hmm. and kind of like fanned the flame on it. Yeah. And I think that's something that is really interesting about this movie, but also about religion in general is just how much it parallels, right? With not only like, the obvious stuff like values and how you live your life, yeah. but also parallels with like, if you're not feeling good, maybe it's a spiritual sickness yeah. or maybe there's something spiritual that you can do to kind of alleviate that. And yeah. I think that a lot of times that's true. Yeah. And I think that's something that I think we will explore in this episode Definitely. is sort of, um, uh, I don't know about you, but you know, having come from a religious background, um, I, there's a lot of it that I reject, but there's still a lot of it that, that I keep. And I'm not just sort of, sort of uh, questions of morality or right. ethics or whatever, but it, even on a spiritual level or even my personal level, there's something going on, you know. I do question maybe not a supernatural sort of spiritual thing, but yeah. how my own spiritual life is going, you know. And um, so... Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a maybe a, like a... Not, not necessarily even a balance, but there there is a new thing that you could take away from it. Absolutely, um, yeah. Lives. But... Um, yeah, onto the movie. Onto the movie. Um, so first of all, I want to say that Ellen Bernstein is a, just a treasure. Yeah. And to see her, I'm like a huge fan, and to see her as so young, mm. you know, I think yeah. I, I last watched The Exorcist when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't, you know, didn't really remember. Remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and so seeing Ellen Bernstein as a, as like a young woman was like so fun for me yeah and i think she's kind of like so the jamie Lee curtis in uh yes in, exactly uh, Halloween. In i think i had the same experience where yeah, i was just yeah. like i've watched not a bunch but significant amount of movies with jamie, jamie Lee curtis, curtis in it. yeah and then seeing her super young in halloween was a bit of a trip yeah yeah, yeah that's how i felt too um but yeah it's, it, the, the plot is quite simple um mm -hmm. um oh wait, what's the mother's name and chris chris okay so she's she's an actress in georgetown mm -hmm. working on a movie um, and quite randomly, her daughter starts to feel ill. And yeah. so she goes through to... The well, bar. to be fair, maybe not randomly, daughter was messing with a Ouija board. Ouija board? She was. Ouija board? Ouija board? Ouija board. <laughs> I always call it Ouija board. I don't know. So I'm not going to stop. It's a Ouija board to me. Fine. I'm just kidding. It's probably Ouija. But, um, so she was messing with the Ouija board that she found in the closet and she was, she had called up some, who was it? What's and there lies, Mr. Mr. Howdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there lies the difference is your fundamentalist mm -hmm. tendency is telling you she shouldn't have been fucking with the Ouija board. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's but for so me, funny. I'm like, she wasn't fucking around. She didn't do shit. Well, because that's true. <laughs> no, that's that's true. right. Yeah, yeah. That's she how they set her up shit. in the movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's Exactly. What that's they a good point. Want. But I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting thing they do in the movie is they set it up so that like... You know, like that you think something is going to happen mm -hmm. or, you know, and, and, and you start to um, try to reason with it. Yes. And that's another thing, too, that I was taught growing up was that Ouija boards would, yeah, obviously lead to demonic possession and spitting yeah. pea soup and yeah, yeah. all that it's stuff. A, it's a gateway. Gateway drug. It's a gateway spirit drug. Gateway spirit drug. <laughs> so, and I like that they did this in the movie because you're right. They said, like, it was, it was, uh, what, Mr. Howdy or... Captain yeah. Howdy or something? Yeah, Captain Howdy, Mr. Howdy I don't know. or something like that. Uh, but that wasn't who possessed her. It wasn't. Right? Yeah, yeah. She was possessed by the devil. She was. Yeah. Right. So uh -huh. it's like a little difference, and they never really say that it came from the Ouija board, but... 
Right. They just say that. But you know it was the Ouija board. <laughs> I know, but you just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of a coincidence, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I love that they took, and this is something I know we want to talk about, but I love that they took kind of that the um, the priest, Damien, was also a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I loved that because he, um, he and her medical team, um, so first of all, like Chris gets this, like, cause she's an actress, she's pretty famous. And so she has a lot of means. So she gets, um, like this great medical team to do a workup on her daughter. And they all are found to be kind of like puzzled and clueless. They say that maybe she needs a psychiatrist. Um, and then they kind of say like, well, maybe as a placebo, it would be helpful to have like an exorcism. Cause sometimes like that power of suggestion and just like the, the ceremony can like bring someone out of. Yeah. Like, like you basically play state. to the level that you think they are at. Right. Right. Like if they are quote unquote crazy right. or if they're having a delusion of, uh, being, uh, uh, a dictator or something you say you've been there's a coup and you're you're, yeah. you're not the dictator anymore maybe dictator. that'll fix it yeah like that. exactly yeah. but it's it's funny because like i've worked with a lot of folks with psychosis and um and it is very common to have religious ties to like a psychotic disorder because religion is so powerful mm-hmm. right because it's it's dictating our afterlife right. you know it's like if if you believe in christianity it's like this like spiritual undercurrent you're fighting the forces of evil like on the side of god and so i've had spiritual warfare right it's one of my mom's favorite um catchphrases spiritual warfare yes it's totally something my church was really into um and i'm i'm uh depending on the day i usually say like now i'm agnostic Unless I'm really mad at my mom and then I tell her I'm an atheist. But I mean, (laughs) so today, like it's, it's difficult for me because when I'm working with a client who has like a psychotic disorder where they believe that they have a, like a specific spiritual commune with God, like it's a really tough spot to be in because you don't want to, um, there's no way you can compete with God, right? Yeah. You're not going to outlogic someone who believes in God. Right. If they're having like spiritual like hallucinations, right? Yeah. So you never well, kind of. if we're fucking around with the Greek gods, those, hey. those motherfuckers got tricked a lot. They did. <laughs> they be tricking everybody. But <laughs> but it's hard because I also like as I'm talking to someone, I don't want to do anything to like offend their sense of religion or their connection with their spirituality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But their spirituality is also part of something that's causing them pain, which I kind of empathize with, right? With yeah. my OCD. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's on a much different level. So it's really, uh, and, and Damien talks about this as a psychiatrist. He says, like, you know, I've seen a lot of people with psychosis saying that they were like Napoleon Bonaparte. Or, yeah. like, she's saying she's the devil. So yeah. that's, like, pretty delusional, delusional yeah. right? Not, like, what are the like odds? some, like, lower-ranking lieutenant demon. It's, like, <laughs> the head honcho himself. And yes. so, if, you know, like... You're, Not even Paymon, like in Hereditary. Yeah, exactly, right? We're going a step above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the devil himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I love Damien's perspective, too, because Damien is a psychiatrist, and he's, like, really rooted 
and kind of like that medical knowledge. And so he says, like, no, exorcisms don't exist. They're not appropriate. We yeah, know more about mental health. Yeah, he says, if you're looking for an exorcism, the first thing you need to do is make a time machine and go back in time yeah. to when we did exorcisms. <laughs> the 16th century, yeah, he says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? And I love the way that he, he struggles in the beginning, too, because he's like, I think you need a psychologist. And you're like, he's basically, mm-hmm. like, has a meeting with Chris, and he's like, who do you need? Yeah. Do you need a psychologist or do you need a priest? Right. right? And I, thought, I think that's a fascinating role to play, actually. Absolutely. And as a total side note, I, I, I actually think a lot of ministers should probably get psychology degrees and be trained in some kind of therapy. You know, yeah. Just, you know. Well, to be but, fair, too, like a lot of like um, uh, seminaries do some sort of like counseling, counseling. kind of mm-hmm. education. Yeah. Not all, <laughs> but a lot of them. And especially, like, the Catholic Church takes it, like, very seriously, too. Like, to become a priest is actually a huge commitment. I used to live on a... a <laughs> I used to live on a seminary <laughs> for, like, three years and um, made a lot of friends with Franciscan... Um, the yeah, the Franciscans and they were and the Jesuits that were, you know, pursuing actual priesthood. Yeah. And, you know... A lot of people don't understand that it actually takes like a really long time. It's really intensive. It's a really intensive process depending on, you know, like what um, specific like uh, um, theoretical orientation you have mm-hmm. with your Catholicism. Right. So, um, so yeah, I completely agree. And I think the Catholic Church does it like a little differently and they have like a little bit more... Um, training, but at the same time, it's not the same. It's not at the level yeah, of yeah, yeah. like this is what the mental like uh, health symptoms could be for someone. And I think it's really interesting that the priest Damien says like the Catholic Church put him through medical school mm. to become a psychiatrist. And I think that's really important because there's so much overlap. And in my community growing up, like we didn't, we had some therapists, but like you know we're a very poor community. Um, and so most of the time, most people relied on their, like their clergy yeah. for some sort of mental health support. Yeah. Right. And um, even before the mental health sort of field was, um, more prominent, right? Absolutely. I mean, what, what people went to church they, or temple yeah, or like, that's where their, their advisors and their counselors were, you know? And that's mm-hmm. like, I think there was a, probably a bit more of an integrated sort of, um, service mm-hmm. or at least the integrated yeah sort of like like way that people can approach that like um, kind of a holistic perspective yeah, on holistic like your life yeah yeah and kind of you know that that was one of the things that i really that really stuck out to me in this movie because um i think last year you recommended this book called crazy like us yes to me and i, oh, I love so it. great me and too I just to remind it. you guys I'm that douchebag, that our armchair <laughs> psychologist that took one class in college uh, called the, 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 the Science of Happiness. It was a fantastic course, but and so that's, that's the limit of my education behind it. And I've been <laughs> to therapy, so I'm basically an expert now. But, Absolutely. Um, but, um, I, you know, I have a big interest in it. And um, what the fuck was I going to say? You were talking about um, Crazy Like Us. Crazy Like Us, yes. Um, Fantastic book, and Mm -hmm. what I really liked about it was how it talked about the way that the Western world, meaning the United States and Western Europe, Mm -hmm. um, the way that we've, even the new way that we've approached mental health in the the new world, or not the new world, but in the new age or in modernity, um, 
uh, we tend to import that or almost like colonially in a colonial way like import that to the countries that we try to help and so in this book it's fascinating because they talk about they have four cases uh one is in asia talking Mm -hmm. about um um eating disorders one is in japan talking about oh so the other one is china hong kong um and the other one's japan talking about depression the one other one is sri lanka talking about ptsd and the other one is zanzibar you said um yeah which is an island off the coast of tanzania okay Um, yeah that one is about uh psychosis or schizophrenia it's about well he he kind of frames it as a schizophrenia but um but psychosis just means like hallucinations okay um and that can be like a wide variety of things yeah. so he frames it as schizophrenia but who knows what they're actually experiencing um and that's ethan waters okay. is the author of that book it's Crazy. phenomenal and just, i love it i loved how it talked about like sure we can observe that there are mental illnesses that the symptoms of mental illnesses that manifest in people. Right. Um, but culturally, there's actually a lot of differences. And for example, my, one of my, um, the, the, the one where they talk about the schizophrenia mm-hmm. um, in Zanzibar is that typically in the Western world, when people hear voices, they, 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 they tend to hear angry voices. Yeah. I think I mentioned yeah. that. And whereas um, in Zanzibar, people, when they heard voices, they were friendly voices. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that, that's, I mean, you know, hearing voices is scary and it sucks, but that, there's something cute about that. That's so Which sweet. is kind yes. of nice, you know? Like, if I had to hear voices, I'd prefer to hear maybe the nice ones. You know? <laughs> of course. But even the way that we approach culturally um, mental health, right? Yeah. And I think that this goes back to a main question or a main topic that we're always going to talk about in this podcast mm-hmm. is... We, I think we in the, in the modern day like to separate and say, oh, mental illness is what old spiritual diseases were or, right, you know, or, right. or, or something like that. And, and we'd like to make a, 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 a bit of a separation between those. Well, we almost have taken spiritual disease or whatever into the new world and said, it's all can be explained by mental illness, yes. you know? And, uh, I don't know. The, the, it's, the mental health industry or uh, field is backed by science and all that, those sort of things. But there's part of me that, that still kind of pushes back against that too. Of course. Fully, you know, is not, not fully pushes it back, but f- refuses to fully buy into the idea that all of sort of any spiritual sickness or whatever it is can be explained away by mental illness. Absolutely. Um, and, um, yeah, and I think the... The doctor or Damien, the, the father Damien, actually yeah. does a pretty good job of kind of like navigating that that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hard for him too. Oh, for sure, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. because like, he doesn't believe in demon possession. He, yeah. even, he even says in the beginning that he lost his faith. Mm. Right, like he's like, I need to be reassigned because I think I have lost my faith and I'm not the spiritual leader that like I need to be or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so he's coming from like a really difficult place and also losing his mom. Um, and I think, but that's such a great point because they, so much of how we conceptualize mental illness is, <laughs> um, here's my rant. It's ridiculous. I think the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, um, it sucks. for mental illness, it sucks. I mean, it sucks because it's, well, it's, it's pathologizing. First of all, it's like completely saying like people who have like these certain human experiences, like these symptoms, quote unquote. Right. Um, which, by the way, a lot of them are very 
open to interpretation. So I could go into a room and another social worker could go in and we could come out with different diagnoses, right? There's diagnostic trees. Cultural understandings of behavior. Cultural understandings. I mean, and, and I think fundamentally, like the way that we even saying mental illness, I think is like just not quite right. Mm -hmm. Like I get a lot of pain comes from having like a mental health diagnosis, but also like a lot of it is normal human experience. And I think we pathologize negative feelings to an extent. And when you're talking about crazy like us and exporting our conception of mental health into other countries where it might not fit. Um, it is kind of this colonial perspective, like we know better, so we'll teach you. Yeah. When in yeah. reality, oh no, no, it's not what you guys have understood in your in your culture for, for a thousand of years. years right? Yeah. And probably already have certain ways that you know how to deal with it, but we're gonna come with mm-hmm. our with our with our science and whatever. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not denying any of this stuff. Of course. But, but there there is this bullish way that we we tend to tend to go in and just say, oh, let me fix that for you. This is how you do it. And exactly, and it doesn't. Maybe I mean, I'm sure it helps, but sometimes it maybe is harder than it needs to be, or absolutely, yeah. You know. And I think we can. I'm not saying that we can't learn from each other because I think like some of our knowledge can be helpful. For sure. I'm just saying that you know sometimes we go in like we know the answer when we don't, right. and we're not humble enough, or right. we don't make room enough for traditional practices or mm-hmm. cultural practices to like let that be known. And I think like also growing up in indigenous culture, so I. Um, I have family from the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, um, and the Rosebud Reservation, um, and the Shine River Sioux tribe. It's my dad. Hey, what's up? Um, my stepdad. Um, and, uh, and in those communities, uh, SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse Mental Health Association, SAMHSA, um, government national organization, invested tons of money on addiction treatment, Right. Because they're like, oh, there's these addiction problems here. We should just do CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy because that works statistically on the other populations that we've studied. Um, What they found was that actually cognitive behavioral therapy uh, did not have the same kind of successful outcomes that it did in the other populations that were studied because a lot of those populations were white college-educated women because when you're doing studies, you're often doing them at universities or think tanks, and the people that you have available to you to study are often people who are overrepresented in academia. Mm-hmm. Right. So they did a bunch of studies on like college educated white women, um, which is like the majority actually Mm -hmm. of the studies that are done in mental health are done on college educated white women, not even met for some reason. Um, but, (laughs) but the majority are done on college educated white women. So when they tried to translate that to the reservations, what they found was it was incredibly unsuccessful. There were, yeah, there were like parts of it that like, sure. I know you're like, Oh really? Uh, there were parts of it that were like, sure helpful. And there was like some like limited outcomes, but ultimately what they found is combating addiction in tribal communities has to first come from the tribal community. Go figure. Mm -hmm. Right. So when they started instituting things like drum circles or talk circles, um, traditional practices like sweat lodges, um, what we call the NEPI. Yeah. Or, you know, other practices, just cultural practices. What they found was that was incredibly more effective, actually, than the cognitive behavioral therapy. And I think that that goes to show that, like, not only do we have to, like, honor this knowledge for these communities, right? We can't go into a community and say, like, I'm a mental health provider. I'm going to fix you guys. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? Here's some plastic chairs. We're going to sit in a circle. We're (laughs) We're going to talk about our feelings. You know, we're going to list our cognitive distortions. And again, I'm going to be an armchair philosopher here. And from what I understand about the Hegelian dialectic is that we can take the thesis of 
um, let's say possession. Yeah, possession is real. Let's, mm -hmm. That's the thesis, right? And then the antithesis or antithesis, antithesis is no possession. As we understood in the old world, is a mental illness, is schizophrenia. Let's right. Say. right, 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 right. Um, but if we do the synthesis thingy, right, then we get sort of a, a, a third position where it's well. There could be for something spiritual happening. Yeah. Right? Because I think everything is spiritual and we are spiritual people. Beings, right, right? right. Whether you want to be or not, yeah. there is something of spirit that that is in us and whatever. And and that has to be acknowledged somehow in the process of our, our own healing, I think. Absolutely. And I think this is probably... And again, armchair psychologist, I don't know shit about any of this, but there's a part of me that really thinks that, like... They're, they're, and again, maybe not a religious way of approaching things, you know, that's not what I'm advocating for, but like, maybe not just being like, well, you're sick, and so this is, we do these things. Exactly. Uh, you know, because there's also like a cold medical approach it's to It's medical that. model, man. Yeah, and it's like, and, and it just feels sucky. It does you know? feel sucky, and I think like, um, not to get too ranty, but I think often we get um, in this mindset where we're like, Let's identify the problem. Let's solve the problem. And I think in mental health, it doesn't work like that. Right. So, like, yes, if you have tuberculosis, you can get medication that works on tuberculosis. But for mental health, it's like every individual has their own experience of life. So there has to be yeah. some flexibility, right? Yeah. Some adaptability there yeah. to be able to meet them where they're at and be able to talk about, like, how they want their life to change. Because if we're, you know, dictating, oh, take this step, this step, this step, that's just not going to work. Right. Man. And I think... So there's something to be said about even the Western medical model, and I'm not I'm like totally coming off as a complete science knight, but you know, <laughs> my my family actually were um, they are um, Chinese herbal doctors in, in Asia, and you know, I, 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 I'm not, I don't think that that stuff can cure cancer, but the the, the I think the attitude is a holistic attitude, right? Is absolutely you, you have to fix a lot of different things in your body and your life that are affecting one thing. But the Western model tends to be see problem. A, a fine problem, isolate problem, problem. <laughs> yeah, kill, kill, yeah. kill problem. You know, exactly. Even exactly. if there's other side effects and all that stuff, yeah. at any cost, we must kill that thing. Yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I just there, there's again, I, I don't think Chinese medicine is going to cure your cancer. It's not going to fix diabetes, you know, or something like that. But, but a lot of it actually treats a lot of other things around in your body or things around the problem too, you know, and, and there's other stuff that like overall health. Yeah. You know, like if you're, um, if you're, if you're sick with something because of some shit habit that you had, you can't just fix the problem and not fix the habit. Right. You know, you have to also fix the habit. Right. And right. I, I, I would begin to argue that fixing a habit begins to be something, well, that become go goes into mental health too, but spiritual. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what you do, who you are, and those sort of things. And, and what gives you meaning, right? What? Like, ultimately, what gives you meaning? Yeah. And I think you're speaking very dialectically here, because it's not like one or the other, but, like, maybe there's a combination, or maybe there's, like, some sort of, like, way that we can integrate, like, more holistic approach and kind of reject the medical model, but still, like, utilize some of, like, the great data that we have, right? right. Because we do have great data. And science, you know, I think I 
absolutely fundamentally believe in science. I love research. I want to do research. Um, and at the same time, there are a lot of things that limit our research that we don't necessarily take into account. Like, like who funded it and what was the sample size? And like, you know, did they just do a pretest and a post-test and for mental health? Like often you need a lot of, um, observation. You need a lot of data to really get a full picture. Right. Um, and often with mental health symptoms, like they relapse, right? Like sometimes like you can be feeling great and then the next day you can just feel like terrible. So, um, so it's gotta be like a little bit more flexible than that, you know? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like in the exorcist, all of the medical doctors were saying like, Oh, like this is a mental illness. We have to treat her mental illness. And ultimately, no, she was possessed by the devil. So I think that there's another message there of like, Maybe not like demon possession or whatever, but like, yeah, listen to your freaking client, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if she's speaking Latin and spitting pea soup, like, maybe she doesn't have schizophrenia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, her head really, turned all the way around. Like, she's possessed. Yeah, you know? That was that's great because that's the, the was the last thing I was gonna try to get get you yeah. into is sort of the way that the medical doctors actually, uh, you know, reacted. And there was that one scene where I think the doctor was like. Oh, then we'd have to bring in the psychologist or whatever. Yeah, and the, I and love like the simple, uh, the 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 best, uh, the best solutions are the Riddling. simplest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like riddling, but like, like he was like the best solutions are the simplest or the simple ones or whatever. You yeah, know? and it yeah. was like from a medical doctor. Is that <laughs> really accurate? Is that I love that they, <laughs> I love that they showed like the distaste that the medical doctors had for psychiatrists too. They're yeah, like, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, let's not talk to a psychiatrist yet. This was the early well, Let's just okay. wait. I know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> we but didn't I start think... respecting you guys till like this year, I think. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's a good point though, because there's still so much distaste for mental health treatment or mental health clinicians because we can't say like A plus B equals C every time. Right. right, right? right. And so it goes back to that medical model. Like we can't really make it fit in the medical model. And so we think that there's no way to measure outcomes when in reality, there's tons of ways that we can do that. Mm. Um, but we just have to be flexible about it. Right. And I think like the opposite is true too, because you know, like we were talking about growing up in the church, I, as a kid, I had, um, sleep paralysis and night terrors. So night terrors are like when you, your body doesn't get the message that you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Right? So your body's moving as if you're in the dream. Mm-hmm. Or it's moving in erratic ways. Or you're right. doing, you know, yeah, yeah. erratic things. But you're asleep. Yeah. So it's like a little bit more intense than sleepwalking. Right. And there's been some horror movies that actually show people... It's terrible. Show people who are having night terrors, like, kill people or something. Right. And so as a kid, when I first, like, started having night terrors, I thought, like, oh, my God. I'm going to go murder people. But in reality... <laughs> It's like, it's actually way more benign than that. And a lot of people suffer from night terrors. Um, That's good. He says, but also like, well, I mean, you know, sometimes when you sleep, I look over, I see like your arm just in (laughs) midair. It's true. I still do some weird stuff during sleep. It's cute, but in in another context, it could be really creepy. (laughs) You're like, this girl's going to murder me. (laughs) You're lucky. I like you. I know I am. But, um, but I had this, I had this sleep paralysis, which is when you're awake, but you can't move your body. So it's actually the reverse. So yeah. in, in night terrors, your body doesn't get the message that you're asleep in sleep paralysis. Because your brain doesn't get the exactly. message that your body's still asleep. Exactly. So your body's just asleep and you can't move. Yeah. I've had some friends that have had sleep paralysis, especially friends in church. Ooh, and I've yep, always yep. heard it in Demon like, possession? 
not demon possession, but it's always what they get from it is a it, 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 they take a spiritual interpretation right there. It's like oh, like you like I felt a devil sit on my chest or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And it's like, and then you do a quick Google search, and it was like it's just like well, it's just your brain hasn't caught up. Yeah, you know, your body hasn't caught up to your brain. It's actually pretty fucking eyes are open. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, that makes sense. You know, yeah. like but it's scary, right? Oh, it's sure. really scary. Them, so I've heard it. They're fucking terrifying, and I'm, I can imagine they'd be even more terrifying if you were religious and you had the tendency to believe that. That was my experience because I had. I remember I was a kid. I was maybe like like twelve or something, and I told my mom I was having this reoccurring like sleep paralysis. Although I said like, oh, I just woke up and I couldn't move, um, and that there was like this demonic voice talking to me, right? And so in my dream, it was like you know saying all these negative things like you're a piece of shit or whatever. Um, but then my mom told me like, oh, that's demonic. So you have to say the Lord's prayer and say, you have no power here. You know, the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> Fucking classic. I'm so glad we watched that just so I got to experience that as well. Oh yeah. Like I'm not going to stop saying that for like weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had the dream again. I was like sitting in my bed. My eyes like couldn't open. I was just like awake, but my body couldn't move. And I said, you know, the Lord's prayer, like my mom said, I said, I'm a Christian. You have no power here. Right. (laughs) And like all the fundamentalists, like, like gusto that I had. Right. And, uh, then the voice laughed and said, that doesn't work here. Um, that's actually in a way, if we go back to the movie too, what I thought was hilarious about the, there's so many like very vulgar, like, like, metal type things you that know? she says yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like fuck me Christ you know something yeah. like that was like, you cocksuckers I think yeah I think there was like cause it wasn't like it's not this like sinister voice that like British accent that's like blah, blah. no this is like this like really gross and crude it's like gross gutter yes. mouth type of shit where yeah. it's like she has like what the the, the crucifix and she's like you know, inserting it to herself and yeah. like, fuck me. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's fucking yeah, like hilarious. Stabbing herself, basically. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some of that stuff's like really funny. Um, and I think like, but it does like really attach itself to these stories that we're told, mm-hmm. even from the time that we're kids, for those of us who grew up in like really religious environments. Yeah. So like how, and I like that the family, like Chris and Reagan, the daughter, yeah. they weren't religious. Yeah. And I kind of, I appreciated that kind of take on it. Yeah. And then I also, it made me think of like, well, if you were religious, that would be like very, it would be like much more scary actually. Yeah. yeah like no. it would be like. I'm so glad at the end they were like, the girl didn't remember anything. Cause yeah. I was like, uh, okay. So she had demonic possession. Yeah. And then now she probably has PTSD. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I was like, yes, she doesn't remember. Cool. Post-traumatic. Um, possession PT, disorder PD um, that could work DSM six <laughs> yeah DSM six where you at <laughs> yeah should we do deaths because that kind of leads into how she got out of it I guess yeah there's three deaths yeah it's like not really that um, movie director dude um, who Reagan kills first yeah. and then the priest the main priest rest in peace rip. Um, and other priests. Who is Damien. He, he, uh, oh, yeah. Other yeah, priests yeah, and then Damien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's the other priest? He looks so familiar. We gotta look this up. Oh, yeah. Wait, I have it. Um, I feel like I've seen something. And he's like a clap. Anyways. Max von Saigo. 
Yeah, so he plays Lancaster Marin. Okay. And that's the, the main priest, okay. the, the priest with all of the experience. Okay. He's in something, he's so recognizable. Anyway. He is, yeah. Um, he's so he stuff. straight up just gets murked, I think? Yeah, he straight up gets murked. He tries to do, so Damien gets like really like um, activated because the demon's like talking in his mom's voice. His deceased mother's voice. His deceased mother's voice. So he has Recently to leave. Yeah, very recent. And so um, the the head priest is doing it on his own. And then when Damien comes back into the room, the head priest is dead. Mm -hmm. And then Damien goes through this like very, um, I don't know. He's very driven to save Reagan. Yeah. Um, and so he, he, he took it very personally because he felt like he couldn't save his mom. Mm -hmm. And so he felt like he had to save Raven, Reagan. Um, I keep calling her Raven because I prefer that name over Reagan. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, so he ultimately sacrifices himself. So he's beating up the little girl. Like, just kind of punching her in the face. <laughs> beating the like, hell out of her, yeah, man. Yeah, he was really giving Ooh. her hell. <laughs> and then he said, take me instead. Take yeah, me instead. Yeah. So then the demon possesses him, and the demon's telling him to kill Reagan. And so in order to fight that, he jumps out the window like a boss and meets his untimely demise. Yeah. So Reagan though is I then mean, free. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would not want to go. And actually, we don't really know how head priest dude went. You know, it looked like it just, not painful, but I don't fuck with that demon stuff. Yeah. Don't kill me that way, please. Just I don't I don't fuck with any of that shit. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to jump out the window or get thrown out the window. That sounds like. Not my way. But they did find out that the director was probably killed first and then... And then thrown, which would help, yeah. Yeah. Kill me first and then do whatever you want. Cool. Like, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Like, he dies from, like, a contusion to the head, so, like, yeah, that'd be quick. Um, No, but also his head was found turned all the way backwards where they were, like... That's, oh like, gosh. not possible. Yeah, I don't... Uh, yeah, that's not great. That's not how I want to go either. Okay, well, last classic question. Who are you in the movie? Damien. God damn it. I'm 100%... I know, you're going to say Damien, huh? I'm 100% Damien because he's a skeptic. Um, he's... But he's got some baggage, and he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And plus, like, I kind of have, like, a little bit of a martyr complex. So <laughs> I could see myself doing something stupid, like, jumping out of a window, but... Yeah. I'll, I'll, he saved her. I'll, I'll say I'll say I'm the detective, actually, the one who keeps inviting people to go see a movie with them. Oh my god, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I tend to gravitate towards the minor characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I respect yeah. that. I respect but, that. Yeah, Damien, obviously, I think he's dope. Um, to be fair, to be very fair too, I think Chris, the mother, does a re- really good job. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, the acting is great, but I think like as a mother too, I know within that, like, like I think. Um, she clearly loves her daughter a lot. Yeah. And I think they. Sh- I think part of the long setup is to show you that it's not because of a fraught relationship between mother and daughter. Right. They, they love have each a other. good relationship. Yeah. Um, They're cute. And, and her mother is very determined in helping her daughter, right? And, and you know, and obviously she's frustrated and gets stuck on a lot of things, but, like, she's doing her best. And I, I think she does the best job in terms of what she can, right? Finding the right help going through what needs to be done and then be essentially approaching the priest because he at first is Damien's like oh, I don't really want to do it and she's like no but you have to like if there's any doubt that you have that it could be helpful helpful I fucking beg you to do it mm-hmm. you know and, and I appreciate that like 
kind of uh, fervor that she had. Like, as a, as somebody who doesn't believe, yeah. right? Yeah, like exactly. she she exactly. was able to make that quick because yeah. she was like, nah, my kid yeah. needs this. Like and I think that, I, th- I thought I thought she was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe her, but I, I don't know. Anyways, they're all cool. It was a great movie. Yeah, it kind of uh, it kind of stood up. Like I was thinking with the the old kind of graphics around her, yeah. right around Reagan. Yeah, like I was thinking like, ugh, this isn't gonna be scary. But yeah. it actually like if you get past diff- that, yeah, it's, I think in a, it's really in a good. different time it would have been quite scary to see that something like that. But for we're, sure, like what fifty years on, yeah, close to fifty years yeah. on to this movie. Oh my and, gosh, that's so weird. I know, but like, um. Yeah, I think the the, the, the the effects were really good. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a beautifully shot movie. Yeah, um, it really was. The cinematography was kind of cool. Slightly over two hours, so the pacing was like, I think it worked well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like slow. It was yeah. methodical for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but because we've watched, in this year, we've watched some older ones. We watched The Wicker Man, which we haven't done an episode on, but we might. Um, and Halloween. Right. So we tried. We tried to watch some old classics, but I think out of the older ones, pre eighties, maybe pre nineties, even like the this one was my favorite. Yeah. This yeah. was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, and again, uh, we wanted to plug the book called um, "Crazy Like Us" by Ethan Waters. Yes. Yeah. Um, highly recommend. It's a great. It's a great listen. I'm, I'm really into uh, audiobooks. Um, but it, it's very informative and I don't think it's too, it's not critical. It is critical or it, it's making an argument, but in being critical, but it's not like this all bad, you know, right. it's very informative and very, very digestible for a layman. Yeah. I read it in grad school and I was like really kind of blown away by like the perspective he takes because I think he's like very thorough in yeah. his like examination of yeah. like, actually we might have caused some harm in how we're right. like exporting our definitions of mental it takes a lot to deal with that yeah especially with big institutions or whatever you know like yeah but anyways um stick around I think we might have a couple more for Halloween month we're just gonna go ham on it we're we're still trying to figure out our scheduling (laughs) you know how we want to do a bunch of stuff thank you for hanging in there with us Mm -hmm. we love you we love you you guys are the best and uh sweet dreams Sweet dreams.